0: Sorrowville was just a little bit different to that. So instead of having a Christian surfers group or aiming towards having a group for kids who are computer nerds or kids who like playing rugby league or whatever it might be, whatever youth tribe there might be in the Sutherland Shire where we live in the south of Sydney, what we were finding is you'd get the computer nerds and the surfers and they were now becoming friends because the reason they were friends was because they were friends with Jesus and Jesus was their Lord. And Jesus himself says... um, I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends if you do what I I say, which is to love one another as I have loved you. So that sacrificial love that we were so inspired by from Matthew 22 was now starting to actually inform our culture and it was actually informing our identity so that people had the freedom to be a surfer or not a surfer and still be friends with each other, which I was really excited about.
1: Righto, we are back. Episode 2 of the Shockers Over. Stu, you. you decided it was okay to come back and we'll do it again. Yes, yes. As you know, we would like to give people what they want, provide a little bit of insight and we thought maybe we can talk about the first time that we actually met because it was a long time ago.
0: I still remember.
1: I feel like uh, just seeing you as a, sh- a shaggy head guy coming into our, <laughs> into our school and I'm like, what's this guy about? Do you remember the first time that we actually met?
0: Yeah, so I was going up to Gaimey High School, and I was doing scripture at the school, and I was also doing a lunchtime group. And um, chip re- lunch, the best. Yeah, it That's was so called good. chip lunch. It was. Yeah, we used to take hot chips up to the school, yep. and we'd sit around and eat some chips. And uh, I remember
1: we used to go. Why do they call it chip lunch? Uh, there's no chips here. And then, one, like maybe like. Four weeks later, you guys actually brought chips.
0: Yeah, sometimes we bring them, sometimes we didn't. Yeah. yeah, we didn't. We didn't actually bring the chips to try and get people to come along. We just sort of felt like it was it was good to have something to eat. But it was good way of uh, meeting people, and you know, it was good to meet you guys because you didn't come from a church background, eh?
1: Yeah, exactly. Hardly any of us that we were like getting into chip lunch had actually any Christian background. So that was obviously the point of chip lunch, right?
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Now I remember we we enjoyed hanging out, and uh, I remember we had a mutual love of football, and yep. you had a soccer team that you went for that was a good one, and <laughs> I went for a team that <laughs> wasn't as successful as Liverpool, Sheffield Wednesday, and I remember that you guys used to give me a bit of stick for that, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember when
1: you used to have a bit of a miskick, it was just, Wednesday! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but that must have been, that must have been like 2001, something yeah, like would that, have so been. like 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah, it would have been. So And then eventually, so we went from chip line and then started going to the uh, youth group that you guys are involved in yeah, and then um, grew up through the church. But uh, I suppose we can explore that a little bit later. But we ran it off last episode with the story you described as a watershed moment. And you said you were sitting at the church one night and you looked across the pew and realized that none of your friends were actually joined you that night. You were also really concerned or had a real heart for the younger crew that were behind you. Yep. Kind of seeing like, what's going to happen to them? They're just going to leave the church when, yeah, when it. that happens and so you like you've realized there's a problem what did you decide to do next
0: yeah so um that would have been about 10 years before i met you actually Mm -hmm. so back in the early 90s and yeah you're right most of my friends that i grew up with in the 1980s when i was young had uh, left the church as a matter of course actually most of them had just left and gone up the pub when they turned 18 rather than coming to church and so many of them had gone to a local pub near us called northies that they used to call it going to church on sunday night (laughs) so they'd say, oh, you're going to church on Sunday night? And they'd mean they're going to Northeast to go to the pub. Uh, Some of my friends who were continuing to be Christians after high school did go to other churches, but um, because our church didn't have a lot of young people the same age as us, uh, some of my friends went looking for a church with more people their age or something that they related to more. But as you said, Joel, like I was at church one night and I realized that none of my friends were going to come back uh on a sunday night and i even thought to myself yeah well maybe i might go too and i remember praying and saying to god that i while the service was starting that um yeah i might i might go and look for another church too but then i had a flush of conviction and i thought to myself i wonder what's going to happen to those kids that are still here that are a bit younger than me uh everyone seems to be just leaving as a matter of course and and so i made a bit of a commitment that night that i'd stay at going Anglican church um until i was asked to leave so rather than just uh, hanging around for a little while I thought I might stay and really dig in so that night at church after that uh, the service finished and I went over to talk to the young crew that I'd noticed on the other side of the church it was pretty funny actually because I went over and said oh hi how are you going and they're all just like a bit dismissive and how old were you at that? who time? are you what are you talking about probably 21 okay and so like they're obviously younger like 16 oh, yes yeah, 17 8 yeah yep. it's nearly 18 actually some of them but um yeah and there were younger teenagers there too but yeah I had a a real um, I think about it and I thought, you know, I was just going out with my girlfriend Lou who then became my wife and we were talking a lot about that we wanted to have an adventure in our life. We wanted to really uh, dig in and serve Jesus in the local church and so that's what we did, yeah.
1: Mm, I'm a, I'm a proud um, uh, beneficiary of you digging because <laughs> <laughs> now we're friends when like, we weren't friends at the time but we became friends over yeah, that's 18 right. years. Yeah, that's right. So you decided you were going to do an adventure with Lou like what did you guys want to do like what did you see yourselves doing did you did you want to go somewhere or you know oh, you said you decided to dig in at going yeah, me so yeah, what, that's what it. was going to be next
0: well yeah that's that's a good question we we decided we wanted to really invest at Guy and Ranglickan Church and uh, Lou and I just got married Or oh, when we did get married we we both um, were at Guy and Ranglickan. we'll go into the evening service and I was a youth leader and so I continued to do youth leadership and Lou and I were asked if we could do a youth group for kids that were coming to the end of high school so that that suited, that was really good and um, I remember the minister at the time used to invite me to say if you want to make a youth announcement at church so you can invite the younger crew at church if they wanted to come along and uh, through that another couple of uh, senior teenagers that were just to, about to Leave school said that they'd uh, like to help Lou and I get this new youth group going, and uh, we called it Soul Revival. And there was a a young guy by the name of Kent and his girlfriend by the name of Kylie and uh, Louise and Kent and Kylie and myself uh, started this new group called Soul Revival in mm. in nineteen ninety two wow. and 91, 91. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so we started this group, and I'd get up front of church and say, oh, you know, if any of you crew want to come along to saw revival on friday night you're really welcome but uh, pretty much hardly anybody came and i was really struck by that i was thinking "Oh, i wonder why nobody wants to come like because i knew i knew people weren't wanting to go to youth group but we started thinking it through i suppose and yeah that was what began me thinking about youth ministry as a thing
1: so they were so you've obviously got up the front and people like well why would we want to go to that Um, how did you did you decide to change something around to try and uh, like appeal to people or just like what were they actually looking for
0: yeah well the four of us sat around and tried to work out wonder why young crew aren't coming to youth group and about that time I was listening to triple j which is a radio station in Sydney and one of the the people on triple j actually around this time was laughing with a colleague on the radio show Laughing about Christian youth group games in churches, just saying how da- daggy they were, yep. and uh, and I, I was resonating with that as I was driving <laughs> along in my car listening because I was thinking, yeah, we can do some funny things that are really old fashioned in youth group. So we started thinking, why don't we try and make a cool youth group? Like, why don't we try and be cool? Which was kind of humorous because we weren't that cool. Be hard but, for you? Well, that's right. <laughs> and me? Yeah. <laughs> but um, what we what we ended up doing was we just started thinking, well. You know the, the whole idea of going to a dusty Sunday school hall with you know old Sunday school pictures on it um, and doing youth group games in that hall didn't seem to be too appealing to us and we didn't think other people our age or just younger were keen to do that on a Friday night. So we thought, I wonder if we reinvent ourselves a bit. So we thought, well, our way of trying to be cool was we thought, why don't we just get a pizza and maybe go see a movie together and yep. maybe open the Bible and have a read together it was a lot more relaxed and uh casual and it was the early 90s which was the beginning of the grunge era so we were you know already fairly um into nirvana and pearl jam and all that sort of stuff and uh i think it was kent came up with the idea of instead of meeting in the in the church hall why don't we see if we can find somewhere to meet somewhere else so we asked a friend if we could use their garage in the back of their house and right. decorate it up and we were going to meet in this garage for this soul revival group right so uh but but anyway we open i still remember opening the garage door this this uh garage and and it was just like full of cockroaches and it was <laughs> dusty it was even worse than a sunday school hall but <laughs> yeah. we thought we just let off a few cockroach bombs we went <laughs> around to some council cleanups and got some lounges that people had discarded I and love and we we act, one of the uh Kent, actually, his dad just had a whole bunch of paint in his garage and we just mixed it all together and created this kind of cool brown colour and painted <laughs> the garage and, you know, just chucked some rugs on the ground and stuff. But we were happy with it. We yep. just started meeting in there. And I think it was, to us, kind of symbolic of looking for a new start. But And we thought it was a bit cooler. But... Um, Obviously, nobody else did. So after about six months, we still didn't have anybody wanting to really? come along. Six months? Yeah, we were persevering for six months before wow. anybody started coming. We had two, two young crew come along. But as, as I used to do the youth announcements at church, I think there were three types of teenagers coming to the church. Mm. One type of teenager had better friends outside of the church than they had in the church. So I think for them, if they came to the group, that would have been kind of social suicide. Yeah, and right. then there were christian kids in the service that had really good friends at church and they didn't see any need to go to the youth group because they already had good friends so they didn't come along but the kids that did come along tended to be the ones that actually hadn't found a group yet and so that was cool so we were stoked there was actually uh two young crew came along um a young guy called brad and a young 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 lady called monica still at our church they still are today actually which is actually a real blessing but they uh yeah they came along but after about six months, we started thinking, I wonder Wonder if there's another way of thinking about this. Like, obviously, it's either we're not cool and we can never be cool, or, or maybe there's something more to this than we can see. And for us, we thought, why don't we sit down one night? So the four of us, uh, the four leaders, Lou and Kylie and Kent and myself, sat around a coffee table with Bibles, and we just were flicking through the Bible, sharing our favorite passages, and... And we came across Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to forty, and for us that was a bit of a light bulb moment because in Matthew twenty-two, Jesus is asked what's the most important thing, and basically he says most important thing is to love God and to love others. And we were really struck by that because we're thinking, well, even though we're excited about this youth group and we wanted to run it and do something different, it was still just sort of what we did after we'd done everything else in our life. And we asked the question: Are we really giving God everything? And that night we started talking about maybe what is the, well as young people the that our minds went to well what's the most valuable night of the week for us what what do we enjoy doing most and and we talked about Saturday night being party night now we were running our Soul revival group on a Friday night but we thought maybe if we're really going to give God bet our best why don't we give him Saturday night why don't we start meeting on Saturday and
1: is that the first moment you decided like. Do you realise that being countercultural might actually have a real impact on what you were doing in terms of people's salvation and, and people knowing Jesus?
0: Yeah, so I think in this early stage we weren't thinking about it being countercultural, but I think it was going to obviously be countercultural because it was quite normal for a lot of Christians in our area to go to church on Sunday night and to go to youth group leadership maybe on a Friday night, maybe right. if you've got time being a Bible study, but then the weekend and the social aspect of your life. Uh, for us growing up in the late 80s early 90s was very disconnected from what we were doing at church but this night by thinking let's give god our best and give him saturday night we then started thinking let's actually um really put each other first too so when jesus talks about uh, loving other people he's talking about loving your neighbor is everybody not just the people that you uh like or the people that have the same special interests as you or the people who like going to the same concerts or people who like the same sport or whatever so we started thinking a bit broader then and and we sort of thought uh what what the way to occurred, you know as we thought this through we thought why don't we actually rethink what it is to be a youth group and instead of running a youth group let's actually be a friendship group So we thought the four of us, it was sort of like a paradigm shift for us. We turned it upside down. So instead of us getting together to run a group for the kids to have a community together, we thought, why don't we be a group of friends and still be their leaders but also in appropriate ways offer to be their friends and actually a group of friends on a saturday night that the teenagers could grow up into and become friends with us and that was a real big shift in our thinking as a result of matthew 22
1: and i find that super interesting because really that's the thing that doesn't change whereas if you're having youth groups where you get older and you don't go to youth group anymore mm. that if that's the thing that stays constant then if people are just going to be transient as you as you spoke about before but if you're working on loving everyone all at the same time yeah then actually they people need that from zero to 90 or 95
0: 100 yeah yeah i think you're right yeah so so i think that was really interesting because we we started meeting on on saturday night with brad and monica as well and and then uh we we uh had a, there was a group of year 10 kids that were just finishing up in the junior youth group and they were going to join us at soul revival so they there's like 10 of them joined actually which was really cool and and so all of a sudden we started to feel a bit squashy in the garage and it was kind of fun and we'd sit around and you know just cook a meal together and then we would just talk about um the bible and share some thoughts with each other and then we'd also just share our lives together do some fun stuff sometimes we go to the movies. sometimes we do other things but it was actually that idea of we are in relationship with God Jesus has restored and reconciled our relationship with God through what he did for us on the cross and as a result he's restored and reconciled our relationships with one another so rather than building community we were actually I think expressing the community that Christ has won for us on the cross and so that relational aspect I think was really hitting a nerve at the time because uh generation mm-hmm. x which was the generation that i'm a part of we you know sometimes uh classified as being a bit more cynical and a little bit more uh rough cranky. around the edges cranky. particularly oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit cranky yeah <laughs> like these days um okay karen so so <laughs> so at the time we were um yeah i think by offering a, f- a friendship and a relationship it was actually funnily enough we'd stumbled upon something that was going to help us to reduce transience because rather than just going to an event that you go to if you liked it and being a consumer of that we're actually being a group of friends that were in a relationship with god because of jesus and as a result we were we were we were like a group of mates and
1: at this time like what are you starting to feel is that you spent six months with not really anyone else coming but then like okay now we kind of realized we need to be a friendship group not just a youth group where people turn up but then this year 10 group starts
0: to come through. What are you starting to think? You're like, oh, I'm onto something here? Or, Yeah, uh, well, we were, we were excited these young people were coming along. And one of the things that we started to do right from the beginning is we were listening to them and asking them, what do you think it is to be a Christian these days? And they were also telling us why they didn't think their friends would want to come to church too. So we'd actually have that conversation about faith and culture together as a small group. And then when these year 10 kids come in, even though they were just a little bit younger than us, they were starting to explain to us how people five years younger than us were uh, coming to this whole Christian thing. So, for example, I remember uh, one of the young girls, Sharon, she had this idea that she'd come across somewhere where there's, um, back in the day, people had these things we called Jesus beads where there were these different coloured beads on a piece of leather that people would wear around their neck or around their arm. And the idea of that was that um, those beads all represented a part of the Christian gospel story. So they were gospel beads. So the green bead was that God created the world, the white bead was that he made us to be his friends. Uh, the black bead represented the fact that we turned our back on God and that sin meant that we um, we now were uh, rebelling against God. And Jesus' uh, work on the cross was represented by the red bead. And then the yellow bead was a representation that if we put our trust in Jesus and we have faith in him, we can have a new life, uh, both now and into eternity. And so that really simple message was something that, uh, Sharon brought along and showed the group, for example, and just said, Look, I, I think this might be a really clear and easy way for us to explain why we do this together at Saw Revival to our friends at school. And so that was an idea that came from the teenagers themselves. And this problem of teenagers not getting the gospel, not wanting to come along to a youth group, now Saw Revival had well, we, we started calling ourselves a Sorrow Revival youth community that was within the local church at Guymer Anglican because we were trying to move away from those youth group stereotypes of the dusty Sunday school hall. Well, here was this young person adding to that, giving us a tool that we could use that could actually help her generation that she thought would be a good idea. And so rather than all of the new ideas coming from us, it was exciting to have a teenager say, why don't we try this? Well, it was fantastic because at the same time as Sharon had, got this idea of the jesus beads i also had an opportunity to go up to the school um, with one of the other uh, guys at church a guy called andrew callow who was um, at the time being a part-time youth minister at our church and he was looking after the junior youth group at our church and andrew had this great idea of running a breakfast club up at Kirawee high school which was a local high school and we'd go up there with a toaster under each arm (laughs) and we went up with bread and toaster and we'd just make toast and sit around with whoever wanted to come and um So we'd wear our Jesus beads when we went there and then the kids were saying, oh, I reckon I'd like a set of those Jesus beads too. So the Christian teenagers were starting to be empowered and equipped to be able to share their faith and also that simple uh, symbol of their faith was something they could wear and their friends would ask them, what is that? And even each other, when they saw each other wearing those beads, it would sort of embolden them, I suppose, and encourage them to be living as a Christian. So after about a year or so, um, Andrew... Uh, moved on, and uh, after he moved on, I thought, "Why don't we take this idea of the breakfast and do it at lunch?" And that's where the chip lunch came from, Joel. So, and uh, and obviously because we had toast, it's a bit hard to take a toaster into the playground. So yeah, we thought, with no power, to uh, start yeah, with it's a little, it. bit, a little bit difficult. <laughs> Didn't want to lug a generator around, so we took the idea of just going up local fish and chip shop and. grab grab a package of chips and take them up and we call it chip lunch and the the good thing about that was those kids who were wearing those jesus beads were starting to get more confident to not only come to a group but come to the group in in the in the public space of the school so that everybody could see that we're meeting together and this idea of the jesus beads and this public space of chip lunch at a lunchtime group at school was um, something that people were watching and seeing these Christians getting together. So in a way, we were kind of taking our community to the school and being a community in the school as well as in our garage and as well as going to our evening service at church on a Sunday night as well, which was really good. So we were stoked about that.
1: Yeah, sick. Because was there a danger that people started thinking you were taking people away from something in those kind of aspects? So like they wanted to join your community if that makes sense but was there either from church or from the school where there's a like kind of were they starting to get offended that you were taking someone away from
0: something like that well I think I think in the early days it was only really small so people just saw a group of young people hanging out we we'd hang out have chips for the first half of lunch and then the second half of lunch we'd do a talk so it was all very simple the good thing about the chip lunch being outside rather than in a room at the school was that people could hang around on the edges of that if you, you weren't a christian and you just saw one of your friends sitting down listening to these guys doing doing a talk then you could either just stand at the back and listen or you could just sit down but you could sort of come and go yeah, i remember so, at our school I remember yeah. that weird amphitheater thing yeah yeah. like
1: you guys had to stand in the block <laughs> of lions like the, the christians in the um in the Coliseum. Yeah, Coliseum, thank yeah. you. But um but then a lot of people would hang up the back. Like we'd be sitting down somewhere in the amphitheater, but a lot of people would hang up the back, it's like, where are these weird guys? Yeah, like yeah. these people? Like <laughs> why is it. everyone congregating here on a Friday afternoon?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. And and it sort of is fun too, hey. Like the Christians were like, Oh, this is cool, like we're we're actually getting out and we're getting a bit more excited about our faith we're excited about our community we want to share that with other people the teenagers themselves were the ones who wanted to get these beads to wear so that they could have something to share with their friends and um on top of that we then we yeah we it started slowly and at a grassroots level so no one was really concerned about it at Mm. the early stages and in fact the school was fine with it back in the day like it was just a christian lunchtime group so people just kind of ignored that uh from the church's point of view um Yeah, there was young people coming to the evening service and they were quite happy for us to have this group on Saturday as well. Uh, They thought that was a bit creative in the early days and uh, what was interesting was that as we were helping young people to build a strong identity as Christians, they were actually getting a context where they could have somewhere where they could be building an identity as a group of people within the church as well. So I think early days that was seen as a really positive thing. Um, What was a a change was when uh see so the other thing we did at school was we also uh, uh, uh over time another young bloke joined us a guy called Tim Baldwin and Tim and I would go up to the school at Kirwee High School and later at Gaimere like yourself but early days we were just going to Kiriwee and as well as doing the lunchtime group we were also going to scripture class and so Tim and I'd go and do scripture together and of course because these Jesus beads were really popular with our teenagers we thought why don't we build a Christian presentation around or you know gospel presentation around that and so we shared the Jesus beads so what was really cool is every kid in year nine and ten at Kiriwee high school got to hear what those colors were so when they saw kids walking around with it they went oh okay i know what these teenagers are doing i know what they stand for but what was wonderful was um uh, actually just before uh, tim joined me in in doing that with me at kirawee high school i was going up to do my first scripture lesson actually we'd already been doing the lunchtime group and i went i was asked if i could take over the scripture from someone who was doing it before me volunteer scripture and so i walked into the school and i remember feeling really nervous because when i went because i went to kirawee high school myself and I remember that the scripture teachers at Kirawai used to get a really hard time from the kids who hadn't gone to church. Well,
1: I definitely dished out my own punishment to you did. Fee, yeah. who
0: is currently at our church. You did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes. And uh, so anyway, I'm going up to the school and I'm remembering, you know, one incident at, at scripture that I, I remember and I f- still feel very sad about was we had a, a scripture teacher, a lady who came in and when she walked in, uh, she turned the fans on and I hadn't noticed that someone had put one of the dusters on the top of the fan and as she turned the fan on the fan was actually slowly getting faster and faster and I noticed a murmur in this classroom and I'm looking up at where everyone's looking and yeah, sure enough, there's a duster on the top of the fan and then (laughs) I kid you not, the fan got faster and faster and when it came off, it actually came off and actually hit the poor (laughs) lady scripture teacher and everyone was laughing at her and she went out and I remember feeling devastated thinking, wow, this is really harsh. That was back in the early 80s, mid-80s, I think. Teenagers are hardcore. Yeah, but when I went in, I've still got that burnt into my memory and I'm thinking, this is going to be hard and I walked in. But something I thought of when I was younger was I was carrying the Bible in as I walked in and I know this is a strange connection, but I remember thinking, well, Kurt Cobain gets up on stage and he just tells people what he thinks. And he gets up there and wears whatever he wants and just says, this is what I think. And people listen. And I thought, I've got the Word of God in my hand and this is really special. And so I'm going to just go in confident in the message that I have rather than my ability to deliver the message. So, yeah. And again, because we'd already been going out on the grass, I thought, why don't we actually do scripture out on the grass as well? So we went out of the classroom, we sat in a circle on the grass and I remember we did that a couple for a couple of weeks and actually the kids w- were really keen to hear and listen. And then one day uh I'm in the this context and it was back in the time where um it was okay to actually say does anybody want me to pray for you at the end of the lesson or anything like that. And so I'd given this Jesus bead presentation about the gospel and I said, "Look, is anybody interested in um thinking about this for themselves and i thought maybe some of the straighter looking kids might be interested in becoming a christian but to my surprise these two guys with long hair who had nirvana written all over their bags and marijuana leaves on their bags and they just both said yeah i think we wouldn't mind hanging around and talking to you just some more about that's that that's cool and uh so yeah these two guys actually ended up becoming christians and that was a really big change because then they started getting excited about it too. They started wearing these Jesus beads. They started coming to Soul Revival on Saturday night and they came from families that weren't Christian families. And so for them, this idea of a friendship group was so important to them because they had a group of people who were going to really know them and care about them and disciple them and they wanted to be on mission. And those two guys really quickly, uh, we started a, a Bible study after school and this is where Tim, uh, Tim came along too. Tim Baldwin and and his brother Johnny, actually. We started a Bible study at their house because Johnny knew some of these guys and really quickly there was something like 17 of these guys who were coming along. And, wow. and that's when things started to really grow. I was really going to say, really are up. you
1: starting to feel like these little pieces of things that are starting to happen, are you starting to feel some kind of momentum growing in terms of like, oh, we're actually... We're feeling like we're engaging with these kids at uh, like at their level, so then for their understanding to understand what Jesus is about.
0: Yeah, it was, and and we were feeling like we we're becoming a group of friends that weren't tied to a particular location. So we'd go to church on. Sunday night we'd hang out with each other on Saturday night not only in that little garage but after that wasn't available anymore we moved to someone else's backyard and found another (laughs) garage and after that we actually got to use a disused church for a while so each time we stepped into a different place it wasn't like the place to find us it was actually that we were a group of friends that were going to hang out at this place and it was really interesting looking back because we had an opportunity to actually set it up the way we wanted to set it up and it was like a big lounge room every time everywhere we went at one point we actually found an old pool table on a council cleanup and we were really excited and carried that around everywhere we went as well which everywhere. is pretty fun pretty <laughs> much yeah <laughs> wow. we'd go to christian festivals and take the pool table with us funny things like that but <laughs> sure. anyway the the momentum and of that was that if we we're at school we were together and if we were in church we were with the ch- rest of the church and we we're also together but people would go surfing with each other, people would hang out at Foodies, which was our local Food Plus store, which was like a service station. with the a Servo. Servo and, you know, we just, you know, I think everyone's into Slurpees at the time, so they were just, you know, just hanging out. It was a lot of hanging out, a lot of being together and being friends and skating was a big thing in the 90s and we'd go skating with each other a lot and it was just a natural sort of friendship group that was actually focused on not our special interests that we had in common, but Jesus. So I, th- I think that was what was starting to grow and that was becoming really exciting to us because we wanted not just to run an event that people would come and attend but be a group of people that were in, you know, people, um, afterwards we heard people coin this kind of idea as low-key, long-term and relational ministry and I think that's what we were falling into which was becoming quite counter-cultural because we were actually really excited about our identity as Christians and because... I think actually Sharon's beads were part of that because we were all wearing Jesus beads by that stage and we were deliberately wanting to identify ourselves as Christians and people saw that confidence and I think that was kind of appealing in a generation that was actually looking for looking for some things. identity right yeah mm. I think so and I think
1: but isn't that I feel like that's everyone at some point they're looking for mm. some kind of identity but when you can have that consistency of Jesus that means you can take that identity everywhere you go and that sounds like what you were starting to um, dig up, and yeah. we, uh, create a situation when that could happen. Yeah, I think so. Was there anything else that like really stood out to you at that time that was uh, really formational to how you were starting Soul Revival?
0: Yeah, I think I think one of the things that was standing out to us is um, I mentioned last week, Joel, that thinker Mark Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote that book, The Coming Revolution of Youth Ministry, and in his opinion, by the 1990s, he expected that the next revolution in youth ministry would take into account that. Youth culture by the 1980s and 90s had become a lot more purified than it had ever been. So if you if you step back in your thinking to say the beginning of the generation gap in the 1960s, uh, when in the 1960s the rock and roll culture came along, and yeah, there was a few different kind of youth tribes within that, but particularly there was this big division between young and old people. And as the 70s and the 80s go forward, you see seen in musical culture, for example. There's different trends in popular music that some teenagers go for and some teenagers don't there's also different sports that some pe- teenagers get into so in sydney there was um a growing tribalism between a beach culture and a culture that was growing up in in western sydney so young people start to define themselves against each other rather than just separate to their parents generation And technology actually helped that. So I remember in the 80s when I was growing up that there was new wave music, there was um, glam rock and roll, there was uh, pop music, there was all these different kinds of music that people would listen to. And in the past people would listen, you know, if young people all got together they'd listen to the same radio station on a transistor radio or something like that. But in the 80s with the invention of the... Um, the Walkman, the old Sony yeah, Walkman. I had one. A, yeah. yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't know if you're old enough for one of those, but <laughs> a precursor to the iPod. Yeah. And the Discman. You and the, the Discman, Discman yeah. You'd have a tape in the first one and then yes. a, and then a disc in the next one. Well, I remember going to the beach with my friends and I was sitting in, in the car with four people and we all had our headphones on and we we're all listening to different music because we were all interested in different music. So uh, there, was, there was the Walkman, there was things like the video cassette recorder, which was... Again, it sounds so old-fashioned now, but it was such a revolution that you could watch a movie in your lounge room by hiring a movie from Blockbuster and bringing it home and watching some movie. There was a lot more choice starting to emerge in the 80s. Now, obviously, when the internet comes along in the 1990s, that goes through the roof. But even in the 1980s, there's different choices young people can have about how they want to define themselves based on what band they listen to or what sport they're into and so different youth tribes start to develop in the 1980s and I think one of the challenges to Guymer Anglican Church is I think as I look back at the 1980s there was just one youth group that was meant to be some kind of catch-all youth group for all the teenagers but if there was a group of surfers who were going along to a youth group then it might be that People who like another sport might not go to it because they don't want to associate. Or if there was a whole heap of computer nerds going to a youth group, the surfers wouldn't want to associate with them. So what I found interesting is I think Centre was spot on about the different tribes within youth culture. But what was interesting about Soul Revival is from the beginning, even if someone was a surfer or they weren't a surfer, I was noticing that surfers and non-surfers, for example, because surfing was a major subculture in Sutherland Shire, they were all willing to hang out together in the same group and all be friends because we'd been expressly articulating the fact that our special interests are not what defines our friendship group. So we're not trying to create a Christian surfer group when well, there's nothing uh, wrong with that. And Christian surfers in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney, if you've heard of it, it's in a fantastic ministry and it's been going since the 70s. Uh, and But Sorrowville is just a little bit different to that. So instead of having a Christian surfers group or aiming towards having a group for kids who are computer nerds or kids who like playing rugby league or whatever it might be, whatever youth tribe there might be in the Sutherland Shire where we live in the south of Sydney, what we were finding is you'd get the computer nerds and the surfers and they were now becoming friends because the reason they were friends was because they were friends with Jesus and Jesus was their Lord. And Jesus himself says, um, I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends if you do what I... I say, which is to love one another as I have loved you. So that sacrificial love that we were so inspired by from Matthew 22 was now starting to actually inform our culture and it was actually informing our identity so that people had the freedom to be a surfer or not a surfer and still be friends with each other, which I was really excited about.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously that's what we try and do at Sorrel Bible Church at the same time is it's like have a a place where everyone can meet around or influenced by the love of Jesus because I feel like if you're trying to create groups for different types of people when are you going to stop like when at what point are you stopping making all those kind of groups and then you talk about the paradigm shift that you had when you just started saw revival it's like no no let's turn that upside down and say Mm -hmm. let's meet around like the love of jesus first Mm -hmm. then we can be part of everyone's interest group and love each other at the same time
0: yeah and the activity we did every week at soul revival on saturday was to read the bible together the thing we did at school was we read the bible together and and then even when people would go surfing they'd have a prayer and they'd read a bible together and then they'd go for a surf and there was just that was a really helpful solid uh thing that we did together and as you said yeah it's now looking forward like Probably, I think it's almost 30 years later, actually. It's amazing. But as we are now Soul Revival Church, we've now articulated that uh, as an all-age, all-stage expression, that we're an intergenerational community and that we're open to everyone. So instead of having a church plant that's actually targeted a certain demographic or a certain group of people or a certain tribe, I suppose, in the, in the broader community, we're actually saying, well, anyone can come. And instead of embracing sameness at Soul Revival, we're trying to embrace difference So the way we express that is that we're looking to the fact that Jesus changes everything because when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he has just completely changed history. And as a result, what are we going to do in response to that? Well, we're going to partner with Jesus as he builds his church. And so we're going to share the truth and love of Jesus person to person, generation to generation, culture to culture, and place to place. So we found that a a very simple framework. And Interestingly, it was actually the shock absorber at work in the early 90s that helped us to kind of discover that because as young people, we were talking together not only as young adults, as leaders of the youth group, but then talking to the teenagers about what they thought about, how they could express their faith. And they taught us about these Jesus beads. And then those Jesus beads became a tool that we used as well. And that helped us to at once improve our discipleship and our mission because the discipleship um, around helping young people to mature in Christ using the Bible and have a strong identity as Christians who were willing to wear a Christian symbol like Jesus' beads, which was culturally relevant to them because they'd actually thought of it. And then the missional impact of that was uh, it was a simple way of sharing their faith with their friends and it was also a way of them being confident as Christians. So that was really exciting. Oh,
1: it's super cool like to see how... What we are doing now is an expression of church. It's all revival. It was influenced by Mm. what you did 30 years ago using a shock absorber framework to start impacting culture in a way that we could for Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it at that for for this episode, episode two, which went quite well. If you are listening and you have any questions, please feel free to get in touch with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.